Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoy the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. But this week, we're looking at the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now, this may be just my subjective uh, judgment. Uh, You can argue for different things, but I believe that the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead is the most significant, most crucial, most important event in all of human history and in all of the Bible. Now, maybe you can make a case for other things in the Bible. You, You could make a case for the incarnation. God became man. What could be more crucial than that? And, and, and maybe I'm wrong about what the most, thi- most crucial thing is. I mean, if anything else is as crucial as the resurrection, it's that God became man. And that's what we celebrate at Christmas. And, and, and another thing that we might think of whenever we think of what is the most crucial thing in all of the Bible is the death of Jesus. Because it was His death that purchased our salvation. It was His death that He died and He took our place. He established forgiveness of sins for us. What could be more important than that? And yet, Paul says that if Jesus hadn't risen from the dead, then our faith is in vain. If Jesus had just died, it wouldn't have been enough. So I believe the resurrection is the most crucial thing, the most important event, not just in the Bible, but in all of human history. I want to go ahead and read our text, and I want to get into this a little bit more. Beginning in verse 1 of Matthew chapter 8. It says, Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and, gave, and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of, the, of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for He is risen. As He said, Come see the place where He lay. Then go quickly and tell His disciples that He has risen from the dead, and behold, He is going before you to Galilee. There you will see Him. See, I have told you, So they departed quickly from the tomb with great fear and great joy, with fear and great joy, and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. Now Jesus said to them, Don't be afraid. Go and tell my brothers who go to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. While they were going, behold, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priests all that had taken place. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, 
They gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, Tell people his disciples came by night and stole him away while they were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed. And this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for the resurrection of Jesus. It is our great hope that Jesus lives. And Father, Lord, we pray that You would give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to understand and obey. Lord, give me strength and grace. For I stand here a sinner no better than anyone else. Give me grace as I preach your word. In Jesus' name, amen. As I was saying, I believe the resurrection is the most important, most crucial event in all of human history. I want to give some reasons why I believe this. First of all, if Jesus had not had simply died and he had just and he had not raised from the dead he would have, he would not have fulfilled what he said he would do according to the bible's own testimony he would be considered a false prophet in fact jesus is risen jesus raised from the dead and this is how we know that he spoke the truth second if jesus had simply died with no resurrection then it would be impossible to know whether what He did worked. We could preach the forgiveness of sins on the basis of the death of Christ, and when people ask us, how do we know it's true, we wouldn't have anything to tell them. It would just mean that Jesus' death was just like any other man or the founder of any other religious movement. But in fact, Jesus did raise from the dead, and this is how we know we are truly forgiven. Third, if Jesus had simply died, he wouldn't, we wouldn't know what our future would hold. Paul tells us that the resurrection of Jesus was the first fruits of our resurrection. It, it is literally the fact that because Jesus rose from the dead, we know that we will raise with Him one day. Jesus rose from the dead, and this is how we know that death won't keep us down either. And finally, in this modern age that we live, people have rejected the concept of truth. It's the resurrection of Jesus that can keep us anchored in reality. We have so much skepticism in society. Everyone does what is right in their own eyes. And people are told simply to follow after their own hearts, which leads them down the road to destruction. In the society we live in today, there is a distrust for authority. We've lost any common sense of morality. And there is a dividing line between those who believe in God and those who reject the very concept of God. Uh, in the Brothers Karamazov, a, a, um, a book that was written by um, Fedor Dostoevsky, that's a hard name to say, uh, in the, the dialogues of one of his characters, one of his characters says, If God is dead, then everything is permissible. The the truth is, if there is no God, then there is no basis for any kind of morality at all. 
If, if all that we are is material, if all we are, which is the common worldview of society today, if all we are is material, atoms colliding as a random act of chance, if all there is, then there is no such thing as morality. People complain or, or, or object to Christianity because, or, or the Bible because God sometimes uh, does things that we find objectionably moral, uh, immoral. Like... Um, the Canaanite conquest. They'll point to that and say, oh, God commanded a genocide in the Old Testament. But if they don't believe in any God at all, how in the world do they even make a judgment that anything is right or wrong? They've got a bigger problem than we do. I think one of the greatest arguments for the existence of God at all is the moral argument. The fact is, we cannot live in our lives practically without the existence of God. Uh, if there is no God, like I said, there's no morality. Everything is all just random chance. And you can't say that one thing is right or one thing is wrong. You can commit a murder. And all it is, is nothing. There's, there's no, it's just atoms moving together, all chemically uh, um, predetermined, basically. No real uh, free choice or anything like that. It's all just random chance in, in a world where there is no God. I think the only worldview that makes sense at all is a, a theistic worldview, a view that, that there is a God. Now, when you, when you determine then that God exists, then you have to ask the question, which God? And you can look at different religions. You can look at um, Buddhism. Well, that's not really even a theistic religion at all. Uh, pantheism is closer, but really it's an atheistic religion. They don't have a deity that they worship. It's more just a philosophy. And because of that, there's no real basis to be able to judge its truth or falsehood. It's just a philosophy. It's not rooted in any kind of history. Um, you, you've got... Uh, uh, other religions um, that, that are theistic religions, and none of them have the explanatory power that the Bible gives us. Um, the Bible tells us that God created us, human beings, in His image. That is what gives us value as human beings. He created us in His image. And, and um, the Bible also gives us this one thing that we're looking at today, the resurrection. The Bible is rooted in history. We believe things not because it's just some kind of a philosophy that sounds good, but because we can look at the Bible and see there are actual real people and places that it talks about. It is rooted in history. You can go to Jerusalem the place where it's talked about so often. You can go to archaeological digs, like places like Jericho, where we read about um, uh, the, the Joshua fighting the battle of Jericho. We can go to all kinds of places that were really there. You can look at the archaeological record, and people have denied the existence of David for years and years, and recently they've been finding inscriptions from the actual time of David, talking about the house of David. I mean, archaeology even proves that these people and places were real. And the resurrection is the capstone of it. Who else 
rose from the dead, and never died again. Abraham is one of our heroes of the faith in the Bible, but he died and he had a grave. The Bible never claims any such thing for him. And you look at another religion, uh, Islam, but Muhammad has a grave. Do they know where Muhammad's grave is, Mike? Do you, you've been over in the Middle East. Well, according to the book Shifting Sands of Saudi Arabia, written by uh, one of their top leading Wahhabians, he's buried in Saudi Arabia, yeah. and his wife Fatima said the grave, and she actually led battle with him. And after her death, she said the grave and fought the pilgrims. But he ascended supposedly to heaven uh-huh. over the Temple Mount. Uh-huh. Never place he'd never been. He'd been in Mecca and Medina, and he just magically gets transported to Jerusalem so he can ascend to mm. But he has a grave. He has a grave. He died. And um, Jesus, on the other hand, rose again. Now, let's go ahead and look at the text today. I've been talking about the importance of the resurrection and how the Jesus' resurrection is, is, is like, it is the proof that Christianity, above all, among all the other religions of the world, Christianity is true. It's the resurrection of Jesus. Let's look at our text. Now, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, it tells us it was the first day of the week, it was Sunday, that's why we worship on Sundays. You know, some say that we, we should meet together on Saturdays because that was the Sabbath of the Old Testament. And, and I don't believe that the Sabbath transferred from Saturday to Sunday, but the custom of the early church was to gather together on the first day of the week because that's the day Jesus rose from the dead. Mary, Magdalene, and the other Mary, they were hanging out there up until the very end as Jesus was crucified and buried. They were there. They they helped to prepare His body for burial. But Mary, Magdalene, and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, They get there. Behold, there was a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. The first thing we see here, this angel comes down from heaven. They they witness this. Their own eyes. They witness an angel coming down out of heaven and he rolls back the stone. There's no body inside. They didn't have to roll the stone for Jesus to get out. Jesus was already out. No grave could hold Him. Jesus was already out. But the, the, the angel rolled away the stone for the, for the purpose of the women who were coming to see. It was so that the witnesses could come and see that it was empty. He was gone. He had risen from the dead. And... What I, what I think is interesting here is it says he sat on it. He sat on the stone. Uh, I, I, the, 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 I don't know, maybe it's just me, but that, that, was, that just kind of drew my attention as I, as, I, as I read that. He rolled back the stone and sat on it. Now, uh, that, that almost gives me the idea that this angel was really big. I mean, well, it's, the, the stone is big enough to cover the, to seal the tomb and then the angel rolls it back and sits on it. Um, sitting down gives the a sense of being relaxed. 
This angel was not nervous. God's plan had been fulfilled. Jesus has been risen from the dead. And he sits down. Like the job is done. Um, His appearance was like lightning. And his clothes white as snow. Similar to the picture that we get whenever Jesus comes back. The book of Revelation talks about Jesus being white. Uh, not, not his skin color, but, but like as white as snow. His, he's clothed in white. His hair is white and his eyes are like lightning. But the angels had the, the same kind of, of, of appearance. Um, his appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. Now, as we saw later in the text, the guards were going to lie and tell everybody they had fallen asleep. But they knew the truth. They saw this angel. They were so frightened. They, they fell on the ground and, and they, they were like, it says they were like dead men. They, they couldn't believe what they were seeing. They froze. Verse 5, But the angel said to the women, He wasn't speaking to the guards here. He spoke to the women. Do not be afraid. For I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen. Jesus was not in the tomb. They hadn't gone into the tomb yet. The angel's just saying, He's not here. He's already risen. One, another reason why we know whenever he rolled the stone back, he wasn't doing so so Jesus could get out, but it was so that the witnesses could get in. Again, verse uh, 7. Then, I'm sorry, at the end of verse 6. He's not here, he is risen, as he said. Those words, as he said, remind us Jesus had testified all along. It was, it was necessary that the Son of Man should die and then be raised again on the third day. Jesus testified about Himself. That was what was going to happen. I'm going to die and I'm going to rise again on the third day. And the angel testifies to these women. He, he is risen just as He said. These words, just as He said, testify that Jesus kept His promise. He rose from the dead. Then it says, Come and see the place where he lay. So the angel invites them to come into the tomb to see that location where Jesus' body had, had been laying, and he's not there. They were witnesses there to the empty tomb. They came that morning. That Sunday morning, 2,000 years ago, they were able to walk into the tomb and see the empty tomb. Jesus was not there, but He had risen. Verse 7, Then, go quickly and tell His disciples that He has risen from the dead. And behold, He is going before you to Galilee. There you will see Him. Before Jesus had gone to the cross, He told the disciples that He would be with them again in Galilee after the, after the cross. And Jesus, or the, the, the angel tells these women to go and tell the disciples. They were the first witnesses. These women. They were the first witnesses of the resurrection. Before any of the disciples, before Peter, before John, Mary and Mary, 
Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, that's what it calls her, they see Jesus before any of the other disciples. Or they see the empty tomb and they see Jesus. And they're told to go and tell the other disciples that He's risen. So, verse 8, So they departed quickly from the tomb. The angel said, go quickly. And what they do? They, let, they went quickly. They left quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy. Fear, well, they hadn't seen Jesus yet. The, the angel told them, don't be afraid. But still, I mean, such, a, such an amazing event. You can imagine how they would feel, be filled with some fear, but also joy. It was a joyful fear. You ever feel joyful fear? It seems like a contradiction to us. But they, they were in the midst of such amazing, great supernatural events. The resurrection of Jesus from the dead. They were filled with fear, but also joy. They knew their Savior had risen from the dead. And they ran to tell His disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. First, they were witnesses to the empty tomb. Now, they're witnesses to the risen Christ. Jesus met them on their way. Before they got to see the disciples, Jesus met them and He said, Hey, how are you doing? <laughs> he said, Greetings. He greeted them along the way. And what did they do when they saw Jesus? He says, Greetings. And they came up and took a hold of His feet and worshipped Him. They fell on their faces before Jesus. They grabbed His feet. They clung to Him. You know, one of the things that that tells us, it says they, they grabbed His feet. That shows us it was a physical body. We're not talking about any kind of spiritual resurrection where, where Jesus, uh, you know, he, he, He's risen with, uh, as His teachings continued to, to work themselves out among His people. No, no, no. This is not some kind of spiritualized thing. His body got up out of the grave. You could touch him. The women, they touched him. They grabbed his feet and they were down at his feet and worshiped him. Then, verse 10, Jesus said to them, Don't be afraid. He said the same thing the angel said. Don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers to go to Galilee and there they will see him. So they have the same message that the Angel had said, go tell my brothers to go to Galilee and there they will see me. But one difference was made. The, the angel told them to go see my disciples. Go see the disciples. Go tell the disciples that Jesus would meet them in Galilee. Jesus says, go tell my brothers. Now, some have suggested this is talking about the same group of people. The brothers. But, but I don't think it is. When we, when we see Jesus using the term brothers elsewhere in the book of Matthew, He's talking about all believers. Everybody who was following Him. You know, uh, Jesus' mother and His brother, His physical mother and brother, biological, they, they came to, to try to get Him whenever He was teaching. And Jesus said, who are my mother and my brothers? He said, those who hear my word and do it. These are my, my brothers, my mother, my sisters. 
When he says brothers, he's talking about believers. And so this is talking about more than just going and tell the 12 disciples. But no, Jesus tells him, go and tell the whole community of followers. Everybody. And we know there were others besides just the 12. There was the woman here that are mentioned. We know Joseph of Arimathea was a believer. We know that Nicodemus was a believer. And there were many, many others that were following Jesus. He tells them to go to Galilee to see Him there. You know, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 15 that Jesus was seen by over 500 at one time. And maybe whenever Jesus tells them to go tell my brothers, that was how many they were going to tell. They were telling all these people so that they would go up to Galilee and they'd see Jesus there. Now, that's the good news. Jesus has risen from the dead. The the women saw Him. They saw the empty tomb first. And they saw Jesus physically, bodily. They touched Him. But oh, there's a challenge here. There's a challenge. Even in the earliest days, from the resurrection morning, people were trying to pull a cover up. Verse 11. When they were going, behold, some of the guard went to the city, into the city, and told the chief priest all that had taken place. Now some thought, well, this is the, the guards being an early uh, pagan account of the resurrection. They were coming and being witnesses of the resurrection. They weren't going for good purposes. They weren't going for good purposes. We know that because they were about to take money to keep themselves hushed up. They weren't believers in the resurrection. No, but this had happened and they had to cover themselves up for it. So they go and they tell the chief priests. Again, this is one of the evidences that this is probably not the the Roman guards, but these are probably um, the temple police, the temple guards, who came to the chief priests, not to Pilate, to let the chief priests know what had happened. And when they assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave them a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, tell people his disciples came by night and stole him away while, they, while we were asleep. They're offered a black, or not blackmail, but a, they're, they're given um, hush money. Don't tell any. Tell everybody this story instead of... Um, there were deniers of the resurrection from the very morning that it happened. And they did so for greed. They did so uh, because they didn't want this word about Jesus getting out. Verse 14. And if this comes to the ears of the governor, we will satisfy you, satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. I mean, if, if Pilate heard about this, maybe they, they'd be put to death. If they were Roman guards, certainly they would be put to death. But maybe there's a little bit more room for the temple guards. So they took the money and they did as they were directed. And we don't know when Matthew was writing, but whatever it was at the time of Jesus' writing, this story had continued to spread among the Jews that 
Jesus' body was stolen by His disciples. Now let's consider this. Could Jesus' body have been stolen? Well, (laughs) could Jesus' body have been stolen? Um, Would the religious leaders have wanted Jesus' body stolen? No. It would work completely against their purposes. They wanted a body. They wanted His body in a tomb so they could point to and say, don't follow that Jesus. His body's right here. He's dead. That's what they wanted. It would make absolutely no sense at all if Jesus' enemies had stolen the body. Now, could the disciples have done it? Well, it wouldn't serve their purposes either. See, Thomas doubted that Jesus had risen even after. He was a doubter. And even here later, as Jesus appeared to disciples, uh, in the text we're going to look at next week, it says some doubted. Um, If you're trying to write a story to try to convince people that Jesus rose from the dead and He didn't rise from the dead, you're not going to admit that you people were doubting. Um, Also, every one of Jesus' disciples except John went to their deaths saying, Jesus rose from the dead. They could have denied this truth that Jesus rose from the dead. They could have, they could have given it up and said, oh, nope, it's all just made up. But they didn't do it. What are the odds that ten of Jesus' disciples, not Judas and not John, what are the odds that ten of Jesus' disciples, all ten of them, would have gone to their graves when they could have just gotten rid of all their suffering by admitting that it was all a joke, all of them went to their deaths saying, no, Jesus really rose from the dead. And there must not have been much evidence that that, that the disciples could have taken Jesus' body either. Otherwise, why not just arrest the disciples for taking the body? They couldn't do that because they couldn't produce any evidence to prove it. No, this idea that Jesus had, had, had His body stolen was made up by the Jewish leaders and there, it, it doesn't follow logically that it happened. No, He was witnessed by over 500 people, as Paul says. He was witnessed by the disciples and every one of the disciples except John went to their graves testifying that Jesus really rose from the dead. We have looked at our text. Jesus rose from the dead. This is the point. And it is upon this point that I think makes all of Christianity, everything holds upon that. How do we know that Christianity is true? That Jesus rose from the dead. He lived a perfect, sinless life. Only this perfect God-man, the God who became man, who lived a perfect, sinless life, only Him could take upon Himself the sins of man. And He went to the cross and He died so that we could be forgiven. He died to take our place, to take the punishment that we deserve upon Himself. And He didn't just die. 
But He rose from the dead. He proved that He was who He said. He fulfilled the Scriptures. He fulfilled His own promise. And we know because Jesus rose from the dead that we are forgiven. We know because Jesus rose from the dead that this world makes sense. We live in a broken world that sometimes does not make sense. But we know that the resurrection means that Jesus came to heal what was broken. And we can have that healing in Jesus Christ. We can have that healing that has been testified to by millions of Christians throughout the ages since the time Jesus rose from the dead. We can have that forgiveness, that grace, by looking to Him and trusting that His death took our place. If you're here this morning and you have not yet trusted in Jesus, look to Him. He is the one. He is the one that by having faith in Him, by trusting in Him, by trusting that what He did on the cross took care of your sins, forgives them eternally. Look to Him. Jesus is risen indeed. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.com or you can like us on Facebook.